Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year major league career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt. Shotgun makes me sound a little menacing, doesn't he? He's watching and listening. Well, I am. I'm watching and listening, and I'm glad all you are also. Welcome to show number eight. We've reached Yogi's number. Show number eight. Thanks to Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon, where incidentally, I'm going to remind you at the end of the show also, but I want to, I want to say it at the beginning. Our next watch party. I say next. We've already had one back the first game of that ugly 10-game road trip that the Padres took to Los Angeles, San Francisco, and then on to St. Louis. Uh, We had a watch party game out at Hacienda Casablanca, the first game of that road trip, and we decided not to have any more while the Padres were playing because we seemed to be bad luck. They lost that game, and they lost a lot of games on that road trip. But uh, we're having one on Tuesday evening. October 26th, whatever time is announced by the league that the game starts, I would imagine give it a half an hour before, and we'll start to go over there and gather and party and chat. And by that time, naturally, we'll know both teams that are going to be in the World Series because as of right now, we don't. There's lots of stuff to go over before we get to uh, the championship series uh, games, both in the American and National League. Uh, The American League is getting ready to start here uh, in a couple of minutes as we speak. And uh, the National League game, the Dodgers with an impressive victory last night, uh, sent this series back to Atlanta where – uh, well, I'll give you my thoughts in a little while. But uh, let, let's go over the few things that have happened in baseball that have made headlines uh, since the end of the season, really. Um, the, the first manager to get axed was uh, Luis Rojas from the Mets. Uh, it was kind of a speculation, a lot of speculation. And the other New York team, There was a lot of speculation that Aaron Boone might get fired. And if he did, would he be available to take the Padre job? Well, what the Yankees turned around and did was fire basically all their coaches, um, Phil Nevin and the rest of the staff. And I I mentioned Phil Nevin's name because I'm going to mention his name again in a minute. But uh, all of the Yankee coaches – for the most part, got fired, but they just signed Booney to a three-year deal. Mike Schilt got fired in St. Louis, 
a surprise to everyone. This was a team that wasn't supposed to make the postseason. They put on an impressive uh, 17-game winning streak toward the end of the season to lock up the other wild card spot in the National League. Then they went on and lost to the Dodgers. I'm going to look at your comments here because I want you guys to come on and I want you to uh, we're going to have a Q&A going on today also, along with all of my commentary, because uh, I want to be able to break it up a little bit. But congratulations to uh, Aaron Boone. Uh, I'm wondering if he's going to go out and pick his coaching staff. I'm wondering the same thing about the scenario here in San Diego. I, I wonder about that throughout baseball. When a manager is appointed, does the front office also appoint the coaches? Or does the manager get to bring the staff that he wants to work with on a day-to-day basis, spend a good eight, up to 12 and probably more, in spring training certainly more, hours a day with these people, Why would the front office even get involved in something like that unless they were calling all the shots? I'm not pointing any fingers here. I'm not pointing blame. Maybe. Maybe a little. Because they don't have any business doing this. But it's being done. From what I understand out here in San Diego, the bullpen catcher, was the only appointment by Jace Tingler when he took over the job. And what the front office says is they wanted to surround him with some experienced coaches. I, you know, I'm not going for that. Um, You have to, uh, you got to be pretty imbecile to believe that story. Uh, and it's no different with uh, with anyone else, uh, any other organization. Um, they, they basically want their spies, what's going on down in the clubhouse, reporting to the front office on what's going on on a daily basis. I mean, just go down and find out yourself. This, this, uh, this game that we have today is – so infantile it's it's amazing to me with the way grown people act and wanting to hold charge and have control over everything that's said and done in their organization i'm not saying and i'm not pointing the finger at the san diego padres here i'm talking about baseball in general it's it's pretty amazing it really is And unfortunately, it's happening. So let me tell you what I don't want to see or hear. As soon as tonight. So you might have an idea where I'm going. And certainly as soon as tomorrow night or by the time the weekend is over where we'll know everything 
that's going on because the National and American League Championship Series will be over and we'll know who's going to represent the two leagues in the World Series this year. I don't want to hear about the Houston Astros cheating anymore. That's old news. And I don't want to hear about Dodger injuries. I started reading so many excuses after the Dodgers lost game four to the Atlanta Braves about Kershaw and money. He, here is, let me look at it. Here's an exact quote off of a page. Starting pitchers look cooked. Kershaw, Muncie, now Justin Turner, all hurt. Bellinger out for most of the year. Mookie hobbled all year. That's why it's so hard to repeat. You know what? No, that's not why. Do injuries lead to making it more difficult for a club to win? Sure they do. But don't don't have the game that the Dodgers had last night. without one peep of an injury and talking and telling everyone that'll listen how deep they are. Injuries and being deep don't go together. If you're deep, you compensate for injuries. And I've been hearing for years that the Dodgers are deep. And if Justin Turner didn't know he had a bad hamstring going into the game the other night and the Dodgers didn't know about it, shame on both of them. Because you don't pull up lame like that without knowing that you, you already had a slightly torn or strained hamstring. Supposedly it's a grade two but he's out. He's out. Justin Turner is not going to play in the World Series if the Dodgers get there. He's not going to. He's been replaced on the roster, so they know how severe this injury is. He didn't get that injury running down the first base the other night. I know about hamstring injuries. We've all had them that have played the game. I know how menacing that they can be. I know that that they could happen at certain times of the year because of the weather and the inability. Inability is probably the wrong word. The not putting enough effort into getting loose, thinking that you're loose already, and you're not. When it's a little chillier, And even out in L.A., you can run into that situation. Certainly up in Northern California and up and down the West Coast where the weather gets a little chillier than it does in Southern California. So keep in mind that I want to see some questions. I want to see some inquiries. Um, We can banter back and forth because my technical guys are going to put it on the screen. They'll see your question go up there. 
And uh, I welcome everybody. And don't forget about the watch party. I want to remind you again, next Tuesday evening, the first game of the World Series, Dirty Kurtz Dugout will be there. Hacienda Casablanca, 700 North Johnson in El Cajon. Wonderful place to eat. Great food. And we're going to have great company that night, too. So it's going to be fun. Don't forget. I don't want to hear about any excuses. Whatever team wins and loses, the other team did a great job. They gave it 100%. All of the teams have had injuries. All of them. There are no exceptions. There hasn't been in baseball for years and years and years. But the one name, I found it quizzical because when I read you um, that post from a blog, um, there was no mention of Dustin May. I think this kid would have been one of the main components of the Dodger pitching staff this year, as much so as the fact that if he would have been healthy, the Dodgers might not have gotten or gone out to get Max Scherzer. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Kershaw got injured afterwards, the acquisition of, of Scherzer. Dustin May went down at the beginning of the year. So that injury is old news. The Bellinger injury was stupidity. It was a forearm pump or whatever you want to call that little gyration that those guys go through uh, when they hit a big home run and they high forearm each other and blew a shoulder out. And speaking of torn labrums, uh, we'll be uh, talking about Fernando Tatis in a, in a while um, because if you want to talk about a player that's an intricate part of a lineup, uh, that's Fernando Tatis. Um, Cody Bellinger, uh, you know what? I was happy for Cody Bellinger. Uh, here's a kid that struggled uh, the entire season. Um, for a player to go from MVP to having somewhat of a decent year uh, in 2020, but getting hurt, coming back from that and then going through what he had to go through this year. I mean, Cody Bellinger hit 165. It, that's painful. It's, it's not just painful for the player. Uh, it's painful to watch. There was discussion that the Dodgers could DFA Cody Bellinger. Can you believe that? Designate for assignment. Or in other words, it's crazy to me. 
kid with all the potential in the world. I mean, an exciting player. But a little injury prone, as are, it seems, quite a few players that wear Dodger blue. My idea about that, is twofold. One, naturally, I have to ask about the training. And the other is, I think, when you move players around like the Los Angeles Dodgers do, they're going to be more prone to injury. Different throws, different warm-up techniques, in different positions. You know, Max Muncy did play some first base, but he's not a natural first baseman. Natural first basemen don't stick their arm in to get a throw like that. Because you know injury's going to occur if you do. That's the one thing you can't do. Sure, outfielders are going to run into a wall every now and then. But you don't see veteran outfielders going down in a heap and not recovering from running into an outfield wall in a position that they play on a daily basis because they're used to being out there. They know exactly what the situation is. Therefore, they don't get hurt as much. So I mentioned cheating. I didn't want to hear about the Astros. I didn't want to hear about the speculation. I mean, I start reading this morning, and there's a story out that Max Fried might have been tipping off his pitchers, pitches to the Los Angeles Dodgers last night. I Let me ask you, if Max Fried – was tipping off his pitches. Is that cheating? Let me hear from the millennials. Because I heard people screaming about Kevin Kiermeyer picking up the catcher's notes that came out of his little risk guard so that you know what play is on when he slid into home during the Toronto series so much that in his next at bat, he got hit by the Toronto Blue Jays. So you can know that the first series next year, I hope the God Kevin Kiermeyer doesn't get traded because There'll be some, there'll be a price to pay. Getting back to Max Frieden tipping off his pitches. If he was tipping off his pitches, I don't know who reported it, but I will tell you that there were quite a few times that uh, pitchers tipped off their pitchers, uh, pitches while I was playing. And we took full advantage of it every single time. And 
I don't think there was ever a time where we walked into the clubhouse saying to each other or even ourselves, I feel like a cheater today because I knew every pitch that John Curtis was throwing at Fenway Park, and he still beat us. Sometimes knowing the pitches that are coming don't necessarily make for success. And I think that was a perfect example. So with that said, we'll get on to the postseason series. The Houston Astros have a three-game to two lead over the Boston Red Sox. And they're back in Houston tonight. Game six, getting ready to start in hour and 20 minutes. And I look for the Houston Astros to win this game, even though Evaldi's on the mound for Boston. Uh, Boston has, has put up a fight. But I think the Houston Astros' firepower is just too much. And I think they're going to win this game and, and get that series over with. And uh, they'll be going on to the World Series. Uh, as far as the Braves and Dodgers are concerned, you know, I'm going to go back to game two real quick in um, in the Braves and Dodgers series where Ron Washington was talking to town. A guy whose name has been brought up quite often as managerial material here in San Diego after Jace Tingler was fired. And we'll see. We'll see about that. But Ron Washington, deservingly so, received a tremendous amount of praise for Eddie Rosario scoring the winning run and Ozzie Albies scoring on Austin Riley's ball off the wall, that if the catcher catches it, he's out. I'm not taking anything away from Ron Washington. Making no split second decision is a difficult thing. But I sat there and I started to wonder, I started to think, wow, that's amazing that we sit here and we watch this game every day and a guy gets praised for sending a runner that would have been out if the catcher catches the ball. And then you've got a third base coach over in the American League by the name of Phil Nevin that maybe, quite possibly, lost his job <coughs> because of one of the runners that he had thrown out, and that was Aaron Judge. I don't know if he lost his job for that reason. But just the same, here you've got Ron Washington being praised. you got Phil Niven being fired, all because of runners scoring or runners not scoring. So I put a question out there, and I don't want it to stop. 
because I never got an answer. And I'll get to a couple of questions um, that I have for some viewers right now. Uh, one of them in particular that I want to get into, uh, Kyle Lundy asked me uh, who I think is a good fit for Padre manager. I will tell you. But here was my question. It was a very simple question. With all the analytics that we have at our fingertips, and I'm not good at going in and finding this stuff, but I know there are people out there that can find the answer to this question. When a base runner is sent home from second base on a base hit, on a base hit, I'm not talking about a, a gapper. I'm talking about a single. What percentage of time do they score? You don't need to know who the base runner is. It doesn't matter how many outs. When the runner is sent from second base to score on a base hit, a single, it doesn't matter if it's a long single. It doesn't matter if it's an off-the-wall single. How many times does the runner score? Or in other words, how many times does an outfielder actually get an assist throwing a runner out? I couldn't get the answer to that. That's an interesting question. It's an interesting st statistic. And I think the number is going to be really high. Because I don't think third base coaches are going to uh, send guys that are going to get thrown out flat out. They just don't do that. You don't see it very often. So there were a couple of things that I wanted to cover before I got finished with this show today. But to be honest with you, I think it might be best if I cut it off a little short and give you a little bit more next time because – if I continue, I'm going to continue to have to cough, and I don't want to have to put you through that. Um, but going into the next show, let's get back to the manager. Kyle asked me that it has to be a manager. The Padres have to hire a manager that has experience. Experience dealing with players, both young and veteran, because especially with Latin players, and I'm not saying they're any more of a problem. I'm just saying that it's good to be able to deal with Latin players the same way, especially when you have high profile Latin players like Tatis and Machado. Machado's a leader. Tatis, it might be have been proven by the end of the year that he might be a little spoiled. And if that's the case, somebody has to come in here that management is going to back that's going to get on him a little bit. Do you remember back 
it's a number of years now. When Jim Leland was the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates and Barry Bonds was called out by Jim Leland, and it was on video. If you haven't seen it, Google Jim Leland, Barry Bonds incident. I'm not exactly sure if that'll get it up, but something along those lines. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. If you think for one minute that managers nowadays could do what Jim Leland did and not have players run up to the front office and saying, he's got to go, it's him or me, you got another thing coming. But you can see that pirate management backed Jim Leland in this situation. And if Barry would have went to him, they would have told him, go out and play ball. That's the way it needs to be again. Just because you got a big paycheck doesn't mean that you can get away with more stuff than others. You go out there and play the game the same way. You respect your teammates. And you try to put a winner on the field, not only for yourself, but for your teammates and the fans. So I hate to cut this short, but one thing that I want you guys to keep in mind and keep fresh in your mind throughout the course of the winter, and I'm going to keep reminding you about this are the rule changes that need to be made and whether or not major league baseball and the players association are going to um, even table them during the course of this basic agreement negotiations over the winter. And one of them is the deflection of the ball off an outfielder going over the fence. Is it ever going to happen again? I don't know, but if it does, it doesn't deserve to be a ground rule double. They need to put that in the umpire's hands, and they've got to make a decision. And the other one is the Yasmani Grandel rule, I'm calling it, where Yasmani Grandel is smart enough and evidently tough enough where he hits a ground ball from the left side sees Yuri Gurriel fielding it and puts himself in a position between where the fielder is and where he has to throw home because that's where the play was going so that he could potentially get hit. That's what happened. Whether or not he did it purposely, we'll never know. But it sure looked that way. That rule needs to be addressed because he was this far inside the baseline on the grass. He hadn't gotten to the 40 foot, 45 foot uh, track yet. But he was in a position where if he would have continued the route that he was on, he would have had to go dead right to get to the 45-foot line. Don't forget, 
next Tuesday night, Hacienda Casablanca, 700 North Johnson in El Cajon. We're all going to be out there. Dirty Kirk's dugout in full will be out there. I want to thank everyone for uh, listening, watching. Uh, please tell your friends about it. Uh, the show can be seen on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube and Facebook. I want to thank Alan uh, for all his help today, technical advisor, because if it wasn't for him, I would have probably sounded a lot worse than I did to you folks. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, I'll be well, I promise, by next week. Uh, I'm taking as much uh, over-the-counter stuff as I can possibly take to get rid of this little ugliness that I got in my chest, but I'll be okay. Um, I want to thank you all. And until uh, Tuesday night, I'm actually going to see you before we talk again. So for all of you that are within a short distance or long distance, if you want to come down and make a weekend of it or a couple of days of it, the first game of the World Series is Tuesday night, October 26th. Hacienda Casablanca and El Cajon, 700 North Johnson. We're going to be there 30 minutes before the game time that will be announced by the league. They haven't done it yet. That's why I can't really tell you what time we're going to start, but it'll be 30 minutes before the game time. Naturally, we'll all be there at game time. Uh, we'll have gifts. Um special contest going on giveaways so come on down say hello please and tell your friends about the show i appreciate everybody watching uh again i apologize for the uh the rudeness of uh having to cough but uh at least i called it short and we almost made it we did pretty good actually except for that one little episode i had so until next week until tuesday night I bid you all a fine farewell, and I hope your team is victorious. Thanks, everybody. Bye.